remember talking to this guy once, the CEO of this big company, and he said, so what's your life view on life, Lisa? And I said, I think we're just here to be happy and then die. And he was like, what? I said, well, that's the point. You're on the planet to be happy and to contribute to make other people happy and then leave. That's it. And he was like, oh, it can't be it. I was like, that's it. What's the rest? What, what is the other point? You're not here to save money and, you know, it's like collect trophies because no one cares. Um, you're actually here just to do you. And yeah. hopefully if you do a good job of you, you know, your, your light gets really shiny and other people get a little bit of your sunlight. And I think if everyone just did them in a, in a good way, um, you know, this, it's the best thing ever. What's up everyone, welcome to the Life Livers Academy. I'm Jamie O'Donnell and the purpose of this podcast is to connect you with the people, ideas, mindsets and inspiration to empower you to chase your dreams, unlock your potential and live life to the fullest each day. Get ready for some inspiring conversations and incredible insights from people who are out there living life, having fun and dominating their chosen path. I appreciate you tuning in, now let's get this episode underway. Welcome back to another episode of Life Livers Academy podcast. I'm super excited to introduce my guest joining me on the show today. Her name is Lisa O'Neill. She is an incredible keynote speaker. She's a coach. She's an author. She's someone who brings an immense amount of passion, energy, and enthusiasm to everything that she does. Um, One thing that I can tell you right now is that this will be a funny, funny episode because Lisa is absolutely hilarious. Uh, It will be insightful. It will be honest. It will be raw. She's probably going to tell you exactly what you don't want to hear but need to hear. Um, Lisa's dedicated her career to helping people stretch themselves to pursue excellence and just to get the most out of life. So this is a conversation I'm really looking forward to having. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. How nice. I love being enthusiastic. Enthusiastic and lots of energy is kind of my thing, you know? I think that's why we're here. It is your thing. Why else are you? Let's start there because enthusiasm and energy is something the world's lacking right now, I think. Um, (laughs) It's like, it feels like it's just flatlined in 2020. Uh, And, you know, for good reason, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. But I feel like that topic right now is more important than ever before. So it's something that you speak on and it's something that you've built a bit of a brand around. Um, What are some steps that people can take at the moment to, uh, I guess, preserve their enthusiasm and, you know, build their energy and through all the stuff that's going on, maintain some positivity and and still strive for excellence because it feels like we're losing it. Yeah, well, it's really hard, right? I mean, it's hard. It's kind of the tr- true test, I reckon, of, of, of humans at when, when the going gets tough. Um, and I quite like a bit of a challenge. I quite like to sort of be challenged. And I remember when beginning of March, when all this kind of hit, I was like, oh, I, I get a bit excited by, by big challenges. And I was thinking, right. this is going to be really interesting. And how do you keep your boat afloat in a storm? You know, like, mm. what, how, what does that look like? Um, and for me, it's about maintaining your energy on a personal level. And I think, you know, for me, the lockdown was mental because we had to suddenly change all the way we worked and we had children at home and, you know, no school. And, and my life tipped upside down because I normally spend sort of three to four days a week in hotels and on planes and away from my family. Then all of a sudden I was locked up and I was like, Ooh, I felt like I'd been grounded. You know, it was kind (laughs) of like, and, 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 you know, I kept walking out of my office and going, Oh, you're all still here. Like it was just kind of weird. And I source a lot of energy. I'm a raving extrovert, as you probably can already tell. And I love um, people. So I source a lot of energy from 
being around different groups of people and the, yeah, and the sure. hype that I get from that. But I also source a lot of energy from being completely alone and just having massive amounts of, I'm one of my favorite people to hang out with. I love hanging out with myself. No, I and I, I find my head is just such a playground that I love to be completely alone where I can kind of explore little corners of my own thinking. Yep. And um, yeah, I couldn't be alone and I couldn't be with others. I couldn't do either ends of that. So I found that really, really controlling and, you know, constraining. Um, so I really, I went into what can I control and what, so I think we get energy from so many sources. Like we get energy from, we get physical energy from our sleep and our food and, you know, being in the sun and all the stuff that's really good for our bodies. And we get um, emotional energy from doing shit that we love and from mm. being, you know, lit up, like being passionate and being, being lit up. Um, I'm also a big believer in spiritual energy. So I spend a lot of time meditating and tapping into source. And, you know, I spend a lot of time in a woo-woo world talking to angels. So that helps me as well. Um, but I think um, whatever your thing is, you need to find your thing and do it, really. I think it's about do, do you and do what you need. Like, and I kept yeah. saying to all of my family, right, what do you need to make you feel good today? And they're all like, oh, I don't know. Because, you know, I've got three <laughs> teenagers. Three out of four of them were in teenage land. And, um, and I was like, well, you've got to be responsible for your energy. So, and I have a sign on my door at home that says, please be responsible for the energy you bring into this space. Yeah, and I'm nice. like, don't come in here if you're in a shit. Just stay out and nice. sort yourself out. And I quite often send them out. I go, no, no, go back. Just go out because you, you've just bought a whole, you've just dumped. Like our, our energy, I, I love that saying that our energy introduces us before you do. And um, I think, you know, when someone walks into a room and you can just feel them, you're yeah, like, totally. oh, what, what is up with that, right? And so, and with teenagers, it's not their fault, but it's a constant state. And so I'm just like, oh God, go, just back you go, go start again. Because that <laughs> is just, you just bought this kind of shitty Wi-Fi signal into my, into my environment. So it's just go away. It's and, amazing how many people do that though, right? Like people are just so unaware of the energy that they yeah. carry with them. Yep. And, and yeah, being... and they just kind of shit all over you and all over the room you're in. And it's like, actually, that's not okay. And, you know, I love that thing. You have to be responsible for the energy you bring. And it's yeah. like, what are you bringing? You know, it's like that old saying, oh, could you bring a plate? You know, in the old days, people would say, come to this and bring a plate. And I'm like, yeah, but what's on your plate? Like, what's what on you your bring? plate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's on your plate? Like, what are you actually metaphorically bringing into this event? And what are you bringing into this room? Yeah. And, and if you're in it, you know, we all have times where we're in foul moods and we're not up for public consumption. So I'm like, good, just tidy yourself up and keep yourself away. <laughs> like, yeah. like if, you're in a, if you're in a bad mood, just don't, you know, it's contagious. It, yeah. Energy is really contagious. And um, I'm really, really clear about what energies I will and won't take on. And I think we need to, and uh, you know, anyone who's listening, who's got teenagers, you'll know what I'm talking about when, you know, you're living with bloody Judy Moody and um, you're just like, oh, oh, I just don't even want to sit next to you right now. Cause they, they've got this contaminated energy. That's like, you know, horrible. So you're horrible. just really, you're, I take it. You're really intentional about the way that you show up in all different scenarios because that, that I, I, yeah, I feel like that's the key, right? And and it's yeah. like different uh, relationships and different scenarios require different energy. It's not like you can just be on all the time. But Absolutely. I, I genuinely feel like a lot of the, in order to get the most out of life and out of all your relationships and connections, you've got to be really aware of exactly that and be intentional about how you show up. Like the way that I connect yeah. with you is important for getting the most out of this interview. And that goes for every 100%. single interaction. But Everything, right? Why don't, and why it's don't so we think important. about it? Yeah. 
Why do so few I people think, it's think about so that? It's so important. I just, I just think, and I think people don't understand intention. I really liked um, Richie McCaw's documentary. Um, was it Growing Great or what yeah, was it called? So, something Growing about great because that's what he was. It was, <laughs> it was great. And I'm saying that as someone who doesn't like rugby at all and I cried twice when I watched it and then forced my whole family to watch it because it's go. just I think it's growing greatness it might be it's a fantastic chasing greatness chasing greatness there you go and he's um he's just an extraordinary man who you know became the all-black captain and then was so smart he actually sat down and went what does this mean and how do I need to show up and mm. what do I need to learn to show up as the leader of the most famous team in New Zealand and what does that mean to New Zealanders? And, and he's, he writes, have you seen it? It's an amazing doco. He writes before every game yeah. his intention for the game and how he's going to, even he thinks about how he's going to walk onto the field and how he's going to interact with the media and how he's going to interact with the captain of the other team. And I just love that intention piece. Mm. And I always say to, um, you know, when I'm speaking to groups, it's like you owe it to yourself to be excellent. Because if you don't, you're just letting yourself down. Mm. And, um, you know, you can't be excellent all the time. Like there's days where you're just not capable and that's okay. And that's where a little bit of self-compassion comes in where you go, well, you got a cold, Lisa, you're probably not going to do your best. But, you know, lucky for me, my 80% is better than most people's 100. So I think I'll be <laughs> all right <laughs> because I've trained myself in, in excellence, you know. So my 80 is usually okay. Um, I don't like to deliver at 80, but. 80 is normally good enough. And I think we owe it to others to be enthusiastic. Mm. And, you know, when, if you're paid by someone to do a job, then turn up and be amazing. Like, yeah, don't turn that. up and grumble and be, you know, it's like someone is paying you. And if you don't like your job, leave. But don't, don't turn up resentful and grumpy because the people that are employing you are relying on you. And it's the same with your family. Like, my family um, are relying on me to be enthusiastic about whatever boring thing they're doing. <laughs> That's kind of my job. It's like, I don't, I'm not interested in, in actually what they're doing at school, but guess what? It's my job to be enthusiastic. So I need to, it's, and it's about, you know, who do you need to be enthusiastic for? Um, and I think it's really interesting that not being excellent for others, like I'm excellent for myself. Yeah. So I had this weird conversation with a woman recently and she said, oh, you're really intimidating. And I said, what do you mean? No, I'm not. And she said, oh, you are because you've got really high standards. And I said, oh, I said, okay, but you're assuming that my standards, I, I, that they would apply to you. And I said, my standards are just for me. Mm -hmm. like, like I'm, I'm not competitive at all, but I'm really, I put a lot of pressure on myself, but I don't, I don't I have very low expectations of other people because I've just spent my life being constantly disappointed. <laughs> so I just lower the bar now and go, nah, yeah, whatever you do will be fine. Um, <laughs> and the only person I can really expect a lot of is me, I've learned. That's yeah, my, nice. my wisdom, it. I think, now. How do you balance that then? Because uh, that constant demanding, obviously that's how you achieve excellence, is you've got to demand the most out of yourself as often yeah. as possible. But how do you balance that up? Because sometimes when you have such high standards for yourself, that can lead to feeling like you're always failing as well if you're not reaching them or like how, talk to that for a little bit because I feel like. Yeah. And that's really important. So I'm really kind to myself. Like I right. am so kind to myself and I spend a lot of time helping um, people learn about how to be kind to themselves and um, actually learn to like yourself is a really big deal. Cause if you're, if you have a, a high level of excellence and a high level of expectation and then you're not kind to yourself, it's just a nightmare. It's just horrible. You know, you're just actually beating yourself up all the time. Totally. Um, 
So I'm, I expect really high standards for myself and then I'm really nice to myself. I'm like, oh, wow, you were so good today, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, well, actually, you weren't that good, but you poor thing, you've got a bit of a cold. <laughs> I'm, I'm really gentle with myself, like I would be to a friend. So, you know, like if a friend came to you and said, oh, you know, you won't believe what happened to me today. I did this and I did that. You wouldn't go, you idiot. You'd go, oh, well, mate, you know, you did yeah. your best. And That's I such think a good perspective. Self-talk. Yeah, you've got to be your own friend. It's important, that self-talk. Huge. Yeah, it, and it, but it runs away on you without you even noticing it. Like yeah. it, it becomes so ingrained. And I think people, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, where you, yeah. you fail or you, you, know, you lose a business or you do something silly, you make some mistakes. But that you can go down that rabbit hole without even realizing it. And then all of a sudden, that's your narrative that you're running. And it's bloody hard to pull yourself out of that. It can be. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time working on that because I um, – I, I've always had high expectations and I, it was just sort of, I just realized that actually if I couldn't be nice to me, no one else was going to. Mm. And you know, it's not actually anyone else's job to make me feel better. It's my job. So I have to be completely self-sufficient and that I can um, push myself. I can release myself. I can relax myself. And, you know, I think learning, I, I love the saying, the greatest project you ever work on is yourself. Mm. And I think working on you and working out what do you need to be, you like what do you need to be the best version of yourself and what do you need to be the kindest to yourself and what what makes you feel good when you're anxious or what makes you feel happy when you're sad or you know what do you do if your energy's low and you've got something you have to actually do that day or so it's like finding little hacks and they're all really personal you mm. know you can read books about other people's hacks but you've actually got to find stuff that really works for you I think what are some of those hacks for you then Oh God, I've got millions, millions. Give us, give I might us a few, give a us a few. Of, <laughs> of hacks. Yeah, I've got millions. So I am um, sleep is my, is my absolute God. Like I sleep, sleeping is my favorite thing to do. Um, and I learned really early that if I don't sleep, I'm just revolting. I'm horrible. Um, and I worked that out quite early. I was like, Oh, Lisa, you're horrible. So I have these kind of out of body experiences where I, I watch myself and go, wow, you were a bitch then. <laughs> and then I sort of track back and go, Hmm what happened there? And I'm like, mm, I think I didn't get enough sleep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think sleep is everything. Um, I think preparation's really important, like being really prepared for stuff yeah. and turning up to give yourself the best chance of success is not turning up late, you know, with your clothes on inside out and having no idea what you're on about. Um, <laughs> just, it just shows a lack of intelligence. Totally. You know, I say to people all the time, you're too smart for this shit. Like don't turn up half assed. Um, if, you know, just don't turn up at all, actually, if you can't do a decent job, because turning up half is, I reckon you're better off to disappoint them completely and not to show up <laughs> than to actually turn up badly. Um, you know, I think, I think that's appalling. So, yeah, I'm good at that. I'm really, um, I'm really tactile. So if I'm feeling, I, I wear different fabrics depending on how I'm feeling. I've got a real thing about fabrics. Um, so I always carry like cashmere and silk and really soft things with me because it reminds me to be gentle with myself. All right, um, nice. Yeah, so softness. I'm really into softness. Um, I'm into, I use a lot of aromatherapy. Yeah. I find um, peppermint oil under my tongue will light me up when I'm feeling really drowsy and horrible. Um, it's an instant pick-me-up. Like it's just, and it's the greatest hit in the world and it's all natural. Um, and, this, and lavender will drop me like instantly if I've come off stage and I'm all hyped up and I need to get to sleep. 
lavender oil just poof, I'm, I'm flat so right. it's good I, I you know finding things like that that i think your body responds to yeah um yeah so there are things that and food food really works for me but, but <laughs> different types of food yeah. like i love food but i i don't eat um i don't eat gluten or dairy because they weigh me down they lift they bugger my energy yeah um my body doesn't respond well to that so i think being really in touch with what you respond to and then i don't eat carbs before i present because yep. i get heavy um yeah so i think you know working out things like that that what works for you and what doesn't because it's just sabotage to go around eating a plate full of sandwiches put yourself on stage do a bad job with your clients um you know then have four coffees an hour before you go to bed and wonder why you can't sleep it's like yeah. that's just just not intelligent behavior Totally. Well, what, what I'm hearing from you early is the two key themes that are coming through consistently are ownership, yeah. <laughs> ownership, take ownership of your own shit, sort your own things out, be responsible for yourself and intention. They're kind of the two things that are coming through really strongly. And yeah. And get to know yourself, like really understand you. I talk about, yeah. uh, oh shit. Yeah. And I talk about a PhD um, being a personal happiness development. So what is, you know, what makes you happy and what do you like and what do you not like? And you know, what, what is your body like? And what is your skin like? And it's like, what is, what is your head like? You know, like I, I love really stupid comedy, like really lame, <laughs> stupid shit. Like, you know, I can change my whole energy by just watching cats falling off benches on, on YouTube. <laughs> just find that sort of stuff incredibly funny. So it's like just finding stuff that will, bring you up or bring you down or you know getting to know yourself i don't think people know themselves very well yeah um, i think you're right there i think well people are constantly trying to be other people that's well they spend their life trying not to be them <laughs> yeah exactly. right they spend their entire lives trying not to be them they're trying to be their brother or their sister or their neighbor or their you know it's like oh my god and we just we end up living our lives on other people's terms mm. and you know you go from trying to make your father proud to trying to please your wife to trying to impress your son and it's like man and you're exhausted there's no way to live your life so, oh it's horrible and it builds resentment right so that's the other problem yeah is then you end up more bitter and twisted and have resentful you, have you always had that level of comp because like to to i guess talking about being yourself i think that's a massive thing i really like the kindness element that you brought through i think we could all do mm. do a bit more of that um but that comfort like that confidence to be yourself is something that a lot of people struggle with and have you always had that confidence to just be out the gate and be yourself and like, and, or is that something that you've um, developed over time? I was a major people pleaser when I was younger, like right. massive people pleaser. I was, I wanted the whole world to like me. Um, and then I realized that once I liked myself, I didn't need anyone else to like me because I was good. Yeah. So that was a really big learning for me. And I did that really early. I feel really lucky that I did that early. Um, and I actually have a beautiful friend who, when I, I remember when I, um, I met this guy he, when I was 18 and he was 29, so he's quite a lot older than me. And he was gay and very, very overtly gay, like very camp, very, yeah. very queenie. And I remember watching him out one night and just going, oh my God, you just don't care what anyone thinks of you, do you? Yeah, nice. <laughs> and he said, nah. And he said, I grew up gay in the 70s in New Zealand. He said 75% of people hated me for who I was before they even met me. Yeah. So he said, when 75% of people hate you, you actually don't really give a shit about the other 25. And I was like, wow. So then I was like, imagine if you just assumed that people didn't like you. <laughs> Instead of going, oh, you have to like me. Like, I need you to like me. I'm like, what if I just went, I don't give a shit. Don't like me then. 
I don't care. My job is not to make you like me. And it sort of set me off on this whole thing where I would be like, and I love the saying that what other people think of you is none of your business. Um, and now I couldn't give a shit what people think of me because I like me. So I'm good. I'm like, I don't need anyone to like me or approve of me because I'm kind of pre-approved, you know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love it. <laughs> I approved myself. You, you approved yourself. I love <laughs> I that. I approved myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so important. It sounds so simple when we talk about it. It's, it, it's one of those things it's where not, you're like. It's huge. Yeah, it's yeah, huge. It's massive, eh? Like it, it is really one of those things that I think if, you know, most of the struggles that you have in your life probably almost come back to that. Yeah, we're so consumed, eh, by what other people think and trying to impress other people and honouring other people. And what we do is just constantly disappoint ourselves. You're constantly putting other people's needs ahead of your own and you're constantly putting other people's opinions ahead of your own. Mm. And it's just no way to live, you know? It's like, it's not the, it's just not the, that's not the game we're playing here. So what do you say to someone that's listening then that that is in that boat? Because I know heaps of people and, and... who are listening to the podcast right now and they're going, yep, yep, yep. I mean, like, how the fuck do you start? Because you're so, you get so in those patterns. Like, what do you do? Oh, you totally, I think, well, the first thing is to work out what you're about. Like, literally, I used to write lists, like, what do I like? What do I not like? And then I'd go to write something down, like, I don't like, I don't know, something. And then I'd be like, oh, you can't say that. You know, like, I remember being asked once when I was about 30, someone said, oh, you know, what are you into? And I was like, um, and I was thinking, oh shit, I should probably say world peace. But I didn't actually give a shit. You know, I was like, um, really expensive skincare and clothes. Like, I was like, oh my God, fuck, I'm shallow. And then I was thinking, oh, well, I think there's other people out there that are going to save the environment. And, you know, it's like, well, that's not my thing. That's not actually, I don't think that's what I'm put on the planet for. And then it was about giving myself permission to go, it's just not my thing. You know, and it's like, you know, when people are like, oh, you should save the whales. And it's like, well, yeah, cool. And, you know, I love whales, but I'm not going to go sailing around the world looking for them. Like, it's, it's like, you, and some people are mental about that. And it's like, good, you should save the whales because you care. So, you know, it's that you do you because whatever you are prepackaged with passion for and with interest in, I think if everyone just followed their thing, mm-hmm. I think the world would work out. Yeah. But I think, you know, you might be have this massive crusade inside you, but you haven't told anyone because you're scared what they'll think. Or totally. you're scared that they'll go, Oh, that's a bit lame. You can't totally. do that. Yeah. You know, and I think actually you doing you, the whole world is better off if everyone does them. It's also it the sounds, most attractive thing. It's, oh, like, it's great. <laughs> yeah, you meet people who are just doing them and you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it it's is. a it's, it's the, it's the most attractive quality. It's like, I always think about the people that I'm drawn to. Uh, and yeah. you know, like, I've all, I remember back in my early twenties, I'd always try and work out what my thing was. And it was like, fuck, it was so confusing because I loved musicians who played great music and I loved athletes who are at the top of their game. And I loved like people who were motivational and just like wanted to help other people. And I was like, there's all this stuff that I like. I'm like, what category do I fit into here? And I was like, Oh, I like yeah. ambition. I like people who've got ambition. And you like high performance, right? You obviously like high performance. I love high you like performance. people at the top of their game. And it's like, doesn't matter. And people go, Oh yeah, but I don't know what I'm about. Cause I'm about sport and I'm about music. And you're like, yeah, but the actual, when you really shit, sit down and write that shit down. And I'm a really big believer in writing stuff down. Right. You make lists of what you're about. There's a common, there'll be commonalities in there, yeah. but you never sit down with a pen and think that it's worthwhile exploring that. Cause it's not something 
we're taught to do. We're, mm. we're taught that it's bad to be selfish, that, you know, it's self-indulgent to actually talk about yourself or, you know, and I love talking about myself and I love talking about you and I love learning about people. You know, yeah. it's like that's, and we're taught from a very early age, oh, don't talk about yourself and, you know. Well, well just t- tying back to that initial question that I asked about energy and enthusiasm and excellence. I mean, like, unless you put yourself first and unless you're self-aware enough where you actually know what floats your boat, it's fucking yep. impossible to achieve those outcomes. You cannot be enthusiastic about stuff that you're not passionate about or if you're doing if you're doing something for other people. You cannot get the level of energy if you unless you're putting the mask on yourself, as they say when you hop on the aeroplane. So actually Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's funny because I, I'm really like that. I'm like, oh my God. I you know, like so my like my I'm lucky. Two of two of my um, so I've got four children, two boys and two girls and the two girls dance, thank God. And I'm mental about dancing. Like I love dancing. So me hauling my life off to a dance competition and putting on false eyelashes and watching kids in sequins just makes me so happy. Like I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm so grateful that they don't play fucking netball because I hate netball. And I thought, God, I'm so, I just am constantly grateful that I didn't end up with a daughter that went, mum, can I play netball? Cause I'm like, I am not standing on a court watching angry, aggressive people fight over a fucking ball in bad skirts. <laughs> it's just not my thing. You know, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm just not doing it. And it's like, look, this just, I just can't stand it. I can't, you know, I can't, oh, I hate it. <laughs> and so it's like getting really clear and just giving myself permission to go, no, I hate that. I'm not yeah. doing it. Um, it's like I banned my sons from cricket because I hate cricket. I'm like, why would anyone play cricket? It takes so long. It's so boring. Why do you wear white and you rub a white board, bloody red board all over yourself? I don't understand. It makes, there's no logic in it. And so I'm like, you can play cricket, but I'm not coming. I've played I, cricket I, my whole life, Lisa. Oh my God, I can't stand it. And you know, I had, oh, I did have a, a phase, I think between 16 and 18, where I was quite keen on a few cricketers. Um, so I did spend a little bit of time watching cricket for my greater good, but I just don't <laughs> understand the game. And it's not something that, you know, it's really funny. My father and my brother, major cricketers, loved it, which is possibly why I don't like it. Why you don't like but it. But I think just going, you know, you can't, not everything can be your thing. Oh, um, you know, and I think it's okay to say that's not my thing. And when people say, oh, do you want to come and watch me at cricket? You're like, no, I'd rather eat my toenails. <laughs> um, no, I really don't. Because there's other shit I'd rather do. And then people are like, oh, but you should. And it's like, should is just the worst word, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You should. The worst word. You should. It's like, why should I? Like, should. Oh, should gives me the shit. It's like, no, could, could. I I love- if, if you replace every should with could, your life will be so much better. I feel better just hopping on the call already. I feel like I've got more permission <laughs> to go out and be myself after this. Look out. I reckon. Yeah, all the permission in the world, right? Because it's like actually knowing how to, how to do you is your job. It's yeah. your whole job on the planet. I remember talking to this guy once, the CEO of this big company, and he said, so what's your life view on life, Lisa? And I said, I think we're just here to be happy and then die. And he was like, what? I said, well, that's the point. You're on the planet to be happy and to contribute to make other people happy and then leave. That's it. And he was like, oh, it can't be it. I was like, that's it. What's the rest? What, what is the other point? You're not here to save money and, you know, it's like collect trophies because no one cares. Um, you're actually here just to do you. And hopefully if you do a good job of you, you know, your, your light gets really shiny and other people get a little bit of your sunlight. And I think if everyone just did them in a, in a good way, um, you know, this, it's the best thing ever. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I agree with you 100%. 
What about in terms of, because I feel like there's like the energy side of things and the enthusiasm. I, I agree with everything that you've said so far. It's like if, if I could have asked what I wanted you to talk about on the podcast, you've already done it. So we could finish here. Oh, we <laughs> We've achieved early. That's because we're both high achievers. There you go. How good is that? You can have all this energy and enthusiasm and excellence and uh, be an absolute nightmare behind the scenes and be chaotic and, and kind of get nowhere or have no direction with it all as well. And so like... Yeah. How important on the other side of that is actually having some structure as well, because uh, I'm naturally not a very structured person. I'm an overly enthusiastic person. I'm mm-hmm. overly optimistic about things. It's got me in the shit as many times as it's really helped me. So I, that's think, why I think we might be related, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I have no structure either. I, yeah. I, 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 my fuel is pure passion yeah. um, and it doesn't let me down actually. But what I needed to do was what I think what happens to people like you and I um, is we're so passionate and we're really really good at some things and we're really shit at other things mm-hmm. and we've been led to believe that it's our job to be get good at stuff we're not good at and I actually think that's flawed so I think if you just do you and get someone else to do the bits you're shit at the world's better because people spend I work with people and I go what are you good at and they go oh, I'm good at this this and this and I go okay great what are you shit at and they go oh, I'm shit at this this and this and I'm like okay cool what are you working on and they go oh I'm trying to get better at the things they're shit at. There's no no method in that because mm. when you're getting better at something you're shit at, generally you don't enjoy stuff you're shit at, right? So, so there's the fun fact, gone. So it's yeah. not fun. Um, and you actually already identified that you're shit at it. <laughs> it's like me and running. Like, why would I do it? I, there's absolutely no <laughs> I, I run maybe for a shoe sale or a late plane and that's about <laughs> it and it's like there's just no point and me getting better at running is not going to make the world better so um and you know in a business sense I see this all the time it's like if you're really good at something um and like I'm really bad at I'm really bad at accounts and spreadsheets and boring things right I see we are related so boring <laughs> shit because it, it's boring and so but there's no point in locking you or I up for two days a month to do boring shit when you're better off to go out and work in those days and pay someone to do the stuff you're bad at because you can make more money and get more joy doing you. And there's people out there that love bloody accounts and they love all that. Is there really? Yeah, I've met them. I've met them. I said to my new accountant, it's really funny. I said to my accountant, okay, so I'm not really good with spreadsheets. I actually don't like them. They kind of make my bum contract when I look at them. I just get really uncomfortable. And I said, I hate them. So she went, oh, well, we have a lot of them. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but can you just make them circles? So now everything I get's in a pie chart because I look at a circle and go, shit, what's that big bit? <laughs> and they go, well, that's your spending. And I'm like, shit, is it? Well, that's no good. But if it's on a spreadsheet, I will not be able to, it's like my brain just doesn't do so well with that. And I think understanding yourself even down to that level, like mm. that, I think this new, no, neurodiversity is such a big thing now and people understanding their brains and what they can and can't do. Um, like I cannot, I stay in hotel rooms three or four nights a week, um, BC before COVID. Yeah. I still can't, I still don't know which way I go out of my hotel room. I don't know whether to go left or right. And I can be in the same hotel every night for a week and I will still come out and go the wrong way. It's like, I just, I just, um, I have this weird direction thing. Um, and it's just, I just don't do directions. I have no idea. My husband rings me all the time when I'm driving and says, where are you? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm no on idea. a road in these things house. Because I have no idea. I can't tell you. I, I don't care. It just doesn't enter my brain to um, try and manage which town I've been through when I'm driving. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. 
I'm not there. I have left and I'm not there. That's all I can tell you. And it's all you need to know. I don't need, I can't tell you that I'm 18 Ks north of Waipak. It's like, how boring. I don't know where I am. I've got no interest in knowing where I am. <laughs> so I think do, do what you're good at um, and getting the right support. But this is another big problem because we're not good at asking for help or even believing we deserve help. Yeah. So that's the other problem. You know, you've been taught to believe that you should be able to do this, Jamie. You're very clever. You should be good. Sort your shit out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not helpful. It's not yeah. helpful at all. That is a major problem. I think the, the biggest mistakes, if I was to look back on the probably the biggest mistakes I've made, it's that yes. I've not been, not had the ability to be vulnerable when it was so yeah. easy to be, to just ask for help. There's probably always people around who are like wanting to reach out and help you. And I've been like, no, I've got it sorted. No, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. yep, I'll be, I'll be amazing. And it's like, how's that working for you? And it, you know, not being helped is, is a big problem. Um, and New Zealand has a big culture of that because we yeah. have this, it'll be all right. I can fix it. I'll do it myself. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, really? Will you? Is it's that quite, helpful? quite destructive. Eh? Like mm, it really is. And especially if you're good at something, being good at something means other people go, you should, you're, you're a clever girl. You should be able to work that out. It's like, what well, didn't say I was good at everything. Yeah. Um, and I'm really a big believer in, you know, cause when I used to employ staff, I used to look for staff like me. I was like, Fuck, I don't need anyone else like me. I've got me, right? <laughs> what I need is someone someone who's like, I had a mentor once and he was so boring. Like the most boring mentor, the most boring human. But he was great because he was just boring. And I didn't need interesting. Like I had interesting in fucking buckets. So I didn't need that. What I needed someone was to be really accountable and really dull and just say, but have you done that, Lisa? And I was like, oh, no. And, you know, he just held me to my game, which was actually the most useful thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's a biggie. I really think understanding yourself to the level that you know what you're good at, what you're not, and then being really gentle. That's the hard soft because it's mm. like I'm going to be really hard on myself about the stuff I'm good at. But I'm going to be – so I'm really hard on myself with things like um, public speaking yep. because it's something – I've decided I'm good at. It's something I have spent a lot of time working on. It's it's one of my big passions. So if I'm really bad on stage, I am so hard on myself. Mm. But if I'm really bad at reading a spreadsheet, I'm like, that's a really never claim to be good at it. That's a really good distinction, actually. Like just mm. be really hard on yourself with your strengths and demand excellence out of your yep. out of the things that you're good at, and be yep. soft and kind on the things really soft and kind on the stuff you're not good at. And it's like, and you know, there's certain things that as a human, you need to be good at. Like there's certain things that it's like, you know, you, we, I believe we all need to cook. You need to be able to cook (laughs) if you want to eat. So you don't have to be Jamie Oliver, but you know, boil an egg, like mashed potato, (laughs) just, you know, it's the basics. And it's like, I say to my kids, I don't care if you don't become a chef, but as someone who needs to eat, you need to be able to cook. You have an you interest in learning to cook. <laughs> you just got to, you know, it's pretty simple. Eat, need to cook, right? So it's a pretty simple life skill. And I think there's some life skills out there that we, we need to get moderately good at. Yeah. Um, and if you've got a passion for cooking, then go hard, you know, go wild. Um, but I think there's a few things in the middle that we should just get reasonably good at. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think... Sorry, what about, what about on a, like... How do you set goals? How do you, yeah, what's your structure for like looking at where Lisa goes in the future? Because that's another one like that I think is a very interesting topic. Is yeah. 
and it's almost that same thing. There's like conflicting information on everything that you look for. And so it's about being self-aware enough to know what works for you. But like, how do you dream big? You're obviously a very ambitious person. How do you dream big and not dream so big that you paralyze yourself not knowing the first steps? And like, how do you actually structure your stuff going forward? Because I feel like I'm, I'm super spontaneous. Like I, I, if I'm interested in something, I'll chase it until I'm not interested in it. And then I'll find something else I'm interested in. And I'll go all in on that, uh, which, you know, like it serves me. It's great. But at the same time, there, there's an element of structure and like, I guess, future vision that needs to be had. Can you talk to that for a moment? How have you managed that? Yeah. Side? So I'm the same. I'm super spontaneous. I have zero discipline. Um, and there's just no point trying to make me do something I don't want to do. <laughs> so I, I just, it's just a waste of time. Um, my mother worked that out quite early, thank God. And it's like, there's no point. So, um, and in fact, if you tell me, so I've got this wonderful, wonderful business manager working for me at the moment and she puts things in my calendar, like um, Lisa to do emails. And I just look at it and go, now, nah, fuck yeah. Now you've said that, I'm not going to. So I have this kind of oppositional defiance piece where I'm like, nah. If you tell me what to do, not going to. Like if she put in there, don't do emails, I'd probably be like, you know what, you fucking watch I'm going to do emails now. Because oh, my girlfriend I have is this, going to laugh at this. I have this really childish thing inside me that the minute you say, you should do this, I go, not going to. Not going to. Um, and I found out it's called oppositional defiance disorder. So it's actually a thing where you um, – do not like to do what anyone in a position of authority tells you. So it makes you quite fun at school. Um, <laughs> it's a constant battle. So I run on pure, pure, um, um, pure energy and pure instinct. I'm really intuitive. And I go, oh, I'm going to do a public event with a thousand people. And oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then I'm like, oh, where will I do it? Oh, I know. Right. Wow. What's the point? Okay, cool. What will I need? Oh yeah. Right. So then I ring my business manager go, right, we're going to do this and I want to do this. And can you ring and organize this venue? And she's like, Oh my God. And I'm like, and I'm ringing you an hour later going, what'd you find out? What's the venue cost? She's like, shit Lisa. Like you only told me an hour ago. And I'm like, come on fast, fast. Let's go. Like I'm really into, into speed. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I, I always talk about how I have a kind of a combination of ADHD and OCD. So everything has to be perfect for only a really short period of time because <laughs> then I've lost interest. Then I'm like, nah, yeah, and I'm, I'm over it now. Don't really care. Um, like I came, um, I arrived home on the 1st of December last year and decided I was going to write a book. Um, and I wrote this book um, in, and had it published by the end of February. So oh. I was just like, right, I'm writing a book. This is what it's about. I'm going hard. I'm going to do this thing. And I was really into it. And that's it. It was up and, and everyone's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, no, it's going to be done. I need it done. I'm going to have it delivered. I'm going to have it in the arms of people on the 28th of February. And people are like, you can't do that. My fucking tell me I can't do something. Like, you watch me. So it's <laughs> like, and I love that. Like, never underestimate me because that's just the perfect way to light my fire. Um, and so I just set myself projects like that and go, right, I'm doing it. And I don't think it's easy for people around me, um, I would suggest, that possibly I'm not that easy to be because my poor, very calm and long-serving husband is so divine and he's like, oh, here we go, like another fucking idea. But do you know what? They work. So I'm like, just get out of my way. And I'm like, you're either beside me, um, you know, in front of me or in my fucking way. So just don't, don't get in my way because I'm like a bulldozer. And I'm like, well, are you helping or are you hindering? So... There's only two things you're doing right now. You're either beside me, you know, you're behind me because I've left you behind. Um, just get out yeah, of my way. They're the only yeah. two options. And it's like, I don't have time for people to get in my way and tell me why things won't work. I'm like, I've just got zero interest in that. 
Mm. Like what you think you're helping, you know? So <laughs> I, I don't have, I don't sort of set, I set, like, I guess that's a goal. Like writing that book was like, right, I'm going to do this book. It's going to be out by this date and I'm going hard. Um, and then I get really driven because I want that to happen yeah. by that date. I also do things like make myself publicly accountable. Yeah. So I will go out there and say, hey, this book's out on the 28th of Feb. And they're like, ah! <laughs> um, and that helps me because um, it keeps me accountable. But I think for me, I have to be passionate about something to make it work. Yeah, totally. So people say, oh, do you want to do this? And I'm like, nah, I don't. <laughs> Actually, nah. And, um, you know, I just got asked by someone to be a chair of a board. And, and I went, nah, like, it's either a hell yes or a hell no. Yeah, I love that. And if it's not a hell yes, I'm like, nah. Because I, in, my, in the past, I would say yes because I wanted to please people. And now I go, oh, look, you know what? I can say yes. I'm going to let you down because I'm going to run out of steam for your stupid project. Yeah. So I'm just better to say no now. Yeah. And part of that is a self-care because it stops me having to beat myself up later when I fuck it up yeah, because totally. I know I'm not, you know, I know enough about myself now. I just turned 50. I've been on the planet a while. So I know enough about myself to know that I'm not gonna, probably not going to see that through. <laughs> um, you know, and you actually, if you're honest, you know that at the beginning, yeah, you know, when someone asks you something and you go, and then you go, yeah, okay. And then you're like, fuck, why did I say yes to that? Totally. Totally. Yeah. What's your relationship to fear? I don't really have any. I have no fear. Don't do fear. I have zero interest in it. Um, I think it's a waste of fucking time. I think, you know, you do stuff and it doesn't work or you don't do it and it doesn't work. But either way, it doesn't work, right? It's like, <laughs> I just don't think fear. I, I'm, I have a really massive faith, um, a very big spiritual faith. So I would call, I'm, I call myself um, spiritual but not religious. So I don't subscribe to any. I call myself a spiritual freelancer. Um, I've literally looked at every religion and spiritual following around the world and taken sort of a teaspoon of everything. I looked at Buddhism and then I found out they didn't have positions and I was like, oh, fuck, no, I really like stuff. So, and they're really into suffering and I'm like, ah, oh, I really like, if Buddhists just had more stuff and didn't, weren't so big on the suffering, because I don't believe in suffering, I'm like, why would you suffer? What's the fucking point of that? Like, and I have a couple of friends who are Buddhists and we're constantly having these conversations about I'm like, they're like, you can't have a lotus without the mud. And I'm like, oh, fuck the mud. Let's just get more lotus, you know? Like, <laughs> I just don't understand why people sign up to suffer. Like, I don't even, I just, it's not, an, it's not part of who I am to even understand that. Yeah. I, I believe people do suffer, and I think it's terrible when bad things happen. But um, I believe everything's a lesson, and I ultimately believe I'll be fine. And you know what? I'm always fine. I've been fine for 50 years. And even when I'm not fine, I'm still fine. Because you know, you go, oh my God, I could never handle that if this happened. And it happens and you go, well, fuck, look at me standing here being fine. Yeah, right? yeah. So there's really not much um, that can happen to us that we can't survive. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, really. And I've had all kinds of shit happen in my life. And it's like, well, here yeah. I am, yeah. fine again. When you've got that attitude, that's correct. When you've got your attitude oh, yeah, and, and your perspective, that's 100% correct. Nothing, nothing can get yeah. you. No, and it's like there is stuff that um, happens to me that is, is not okay and it's awful and, you know, it's, at the time it's horrendous. And, like, three of my children have got type 1 diabetes, so they're all insulin dependent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when your child's been rushed to a hospital and you don't know what's wrong with it and you then find out you're going to have to stick six needles in each child every day for the rest of its life, you're like, what the fuck? Why me? You know, and then you're like, you know what? 
why me? Because I can handle it. And why me? Because there's going to be something we learn that's amazing. And yeah. there's other people out there always with something worse. Um, and I, I just always go, okay, this is shit. And I don't know why this has happened. But guess what it has? And my job is to work out the upside. So I always just try and find, because there's always an upside. There's always something that comes out of it. Totally. The greatest adversity, I know it sounds cheesy, but the greatest adversity is your, your greatest teacher. But like when you've been through yeah. a few of them and you come out the other side, that is fucking true. Like it's a hundred percent true. And once you've experienced yeah. that, I think you become, you can find gratefulness in the moment when you're having a tough time more easily. hundred oh, percent. Like my um, best friend, her husband, 46 years old, dropped dead um, a year ago, just dropped dead. And he was really healthy, fit, amazing, just dropped dead. And um, I got to her house at quarter to seven in the morning and she said, what am I going to do? I, I, I can't, what am I going to do? And I said, you're going to be fine. And she said, how do you know? I said, because you've got no fucking choice. I said, you have no choice. There are three children sitting in that lounge and you're going to be fine. And do you know what? She's incredible and shit, it's not easy. And it's not even easy helping her and watching her. But do you know what? She's fine. Because she's got no other choice. Yeah, so totally. it's like... Yeah, I, I sort of, I'm quite into um, getting in and doing the hard stuff. I'm not scared of hard stuff. I kind of like the hard stuff. I'm obsessed with birth and death. I love the hard ends of life. Right. I love death. I, I work as a funeral celebrant. And I think actually working in, in the funeral world is a real honor to actually, you know, help people or help families transition through people dying. I think, um, like, I'm not scared of death. I find death actually really intriguing. Yeah, right. It's a little bit, I quite like it. <laughs> people are like, What's wrong with you? I'm like, oh, I like talking about that. How did he die? People are like, yeah. oh my God. But um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. And I think it's, you know, the, it's one of the most certain things that's going to happen to us. We're all exactly, going yeah. to die. Um, it's like, fuck it. And my friend of mine got cancer recently. And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I said, fuck me too. I said, you're not that special. She was like, oh. I said, we're all going to die. Like, <laughs> seriously? She went, oh, not true. I said, well, just because your raffle ticket might get called a bit early. I said, come on, you're still alive now. I can go out. She went, oh, okay. It's like, you know, it's really boring, isn't it? I think we don't need to get too, um, I'm revoltingly positive. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it though. <laughs> uh, it's, it's so good. It's so refreshing because even like in the personal development space, obviously you, pl you sort of play in that space and it, it becomes like, working on yourself and self-growth and all the stuff that is amazing about life is so tedious. It's like, it's portrayed in such a tedious way and it's so yeah. boring and it's made out to be hard and like working on yourself's hard and this, it's like you, your mm, attitude. I know. And it's all this bullshit. Achieve, believe, can see. It's like, oh, shut up. It's like just <laughs> do shit you love and get up every day and be a really nice person and be really good to yourself. That's it. Like be good to you. Be good to the people around you. You know, don't be an asshole. Just fucking be nice to yourself and just try and find something you're really good at and do more of that. That's really what it's about. It's like if everyone just found something they were really good at and just did more of that, I think um, yeah, I, years and years and years ago when my children were little, I discovered a program called The Virtues Project and it's an American um, couple who created this amazing program of, of virtues and they're not values, so slightly different than say personal values, but it's, a, it's virtues and they teach them to children. And so I got really into it. I was really inspired by this and I read the book and, you know, bought the t-shirt, went on the course, did the whole bit, turned up and I did all the training. So I became a qualified facilitator for this thing. And, um, and everyone on the course was a teacher and they were all like, oh, what school do you teach at? And I was like, I don't, I don't teach. They were like, 
why are you here? I'm like, I fucking love this shit. Like, I just love it. <laughs> I just love the idea of helping people to be good. And so we had this, um, it, the whole process, and it's, it's a really beautiful thing because it's about finding, catching kids being good and finding what kids are good at instead of what happens is when you know you get a little you have a kid and at two years old they turn into a little prick and you suddenly go oh like this has got to stop <laughs> we're going to lock them in the laundry because and I'm like no no that's his personality like you've you just got to love that and find something good in it and then the idea of the virtues project is that each child's like a little plant and they grow some shoot where they're really determined and they're just like a nightmare to parent. And your job is actually to grow a shoot out the other side that balances them out rather than mm. getting out your secateurs and lopping off that and going, you will not be determined. I won't have it. Um, it's like, it's not your job to control these little people. It's your job to plant them and make them beautiful, you know, and provide their nutrients so they can be whatever bloody plant they're going to be. Yeah, and I've got awesome. four very different plants, you know. Um, but I love the story about a teacher who, they, one of the programs is that you have to find something good about every child that you work with. So this teacher had 30 children in her class and she had to write down something she liked about all of them. And this one kid, she couldn't find anything she liked. Like, he was just a shit. Um, and she couldn't find anything she liked. And so one day she noticed he was really annoying, really disruptive. And so one, one day she noticed that he was whistling. And she was like, mm, he's actually quite good at whistling. So she wrote down good at whistling. That was the only thing she could find about this kid that was endearing. And so then she, on the theory that you play on people's strengths, she, every time um, he was disruptive, she would say to him, could you take, you know, take Jamie outside, please, and teach him how to whistle? This kid was like, oh, right then. So he'd go out and then the class was better because this kid wasn't there and someone was outside learning to whistle. And she just kept doing this over and over and taking all the kids out. And this kid was, he was a bully, like no one got on with him. He had no friends. It was a really sad story. And um, by the end of the year, he had made friends with everyone in the class and, and the uh, end of year concert, the whole class whistled, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Wow. And he led it. And it completely changed. Like his parents were coming into school going, what have you done? What have you done to our son? And they were like, I just caught him being good. I just caught him doing something good and I maximized it, you know, mm -hmm. instead of going, sit down, shut up, sit down, shut up. Like, it's like we just get caught being bad. And then all we, most people I work with can identify what's wrong with them before they can identify what's right. Yeah, totally. And I think that's what's really flawed about us as humans. Um, it's like, it's not wrong you know, all this stuff. Like I was constantly, oh, you're distracting and you talk too much. And I'm like, you know what? I get fucking paid to talk now. So shut up. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, don't tell me I talk too much. My son talked too much. And the teacher said, oh, he talks too much. I said, he might end up getting paid more than you. All right. So, <laughs> my life. so it's like, I think we need to catch people being good and get really aware of what we're good at. Yeah, and it's totally just not in our psyche to be looking for stuff we're good at. No, it's not um, at all. It's just not, it's not the way society lends itself. Like we, no. it's about squashing that down and fitting everyone into a box. And it, it's real, it's a real shame because by the time you get sort of into your mid twenties or something, a lot of that passion and enthusiasm and excellence has been hmm. squashed out of you. Yep. And kids, you know, children actually um, have most of their beliefs locked in by the age of seven or eight. Yeah, totally. So by the age of seven or eight, they've made an assumption about themselves based on what they've noticed around them. Yep. They've decided whether they're good, whether they're bad. Um, they've decided whether, you know, what sort of person, they, whether they're noisy, whether they're quiet. They've made all these rules for themselves. Um, and, you know, they may not be noisy. They just might be in a really quiet family. 
So, <laughs> you know, like it's like all these assumptions we make that um, are just not, not true. So I think getting to know yourself is, um, is so important. I, um, I wrote another book. It's not really a book. It's just a book because it's hardly got any words in. So I gave this book to my auntie and she said, oh, is this your new book? And I said, yeah. She said, it's a bit of a shit book. I said, what are you talking about? She said, there's not much in it. So it's actually hardly got any words in. And it's actually a hundred questions to ask yourself. And the idea is to go through and answer these hundred questions. And there's all kinds of shit in here. Like, what do you like most about yourself? What would you do if you had a million dollars and you had to spend it? You know, how Amazing. do you want to be remembered? What are you passionate about? Like all these questions. And some of them are really hard. It's like, what do you think happens when you die? What? And the idea is that you go through it, answer the easy ones, because I'm not into people suffering. And then if you get to the end, go back through. Um, and I've had 90-year-olds fill this in and leave it to their children when they die. And I've had wow. my 17-year-old um, daughter fill it in. And she goes, I'm going to open it when I'm 40, mum, and you know, see what I really think and if I still think the same. And, and I think asking questions, um, it was a really easy book for me to put together because I love questions. So it's like, what are, the, what are the questions you need to ask yourself? Like, what are you good at? Mm -hmm. What do you love? And what food is the best food that your body responds to? And how many hours of sleep do you really need, you know? And yeah. who's your favorite person in the world? Like, I'm a husband. I'm like, you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> you know? Not oh. what you meant to answer, but actually what do you really believe? I love that. We, we don't stop and ask questions. We're so busy. We just, right. we, just, we just go, 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 go. That's actually such a cool concept for a book because um, we brought my mum a similar book for Christmas, I think it was, which was literally like a, a diary of your life. And it was like asking... Asking oh, yeah. all the lessons, all the cool things, the experiences, the things you enjoyed most, like what, what you wanted to be as a kid growing up. It was like a list of questions. And you just get to know, I think, A, you get to know yourself when you go through it and do it. Obviously, that's the purpose of that book. But fuck, we learned so much. Like we're learning yeah. so much. It's not finished yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. And it's so good to actually, and the other thing that I've seen it used for is a, um, friends of ours have got it at their batch and they sit at dinner and just go through um, and answer a question a night as a family and they go through and ask the question and go around the table and so my auntie who told me it was a shit book she, she rang me up later and she said I really like it she said Barry and I sit your uncle and I sit every lunchtime and we do a question and when it's finished she said we'll send it back to you oh, and I'm like amazing. oh that's very kind yeah it's good but I just think you know ask yourself get to know yourself and people say to me, oh, I don't know what my thing is and I don't know what my purpose is. And, you know, they get so bloody hung up on purpose and goals. And it's like, fuck, your purpose is just something you love, something you're good at. And if you can make some money out of it, then bloody boom, right? That's even better, <laughs> actually. But if your purpose is just making great scones, awesome make great scones you know just it doesn't have to be a really big thing but it's like if people focused more on what they're good at they would be happier and they would have more power in their lives because totally. imagine being able to walk into every room going hey i'm lisa and i'm really good at this yeah exactly. instead of going oh my god i'm probably not good enough and i don't know why i'm here and you know and i love that whole uh, marianne williamson who wrote nelson mandela's inaugural speech that whole piece around you know people are scared it's their light that scares them more than their darkness totally. and people you know people are scared to fucking be amazing they and are, i'm like you're yeah. scared i work i mentor a lot of people and i'm always saying to them you're actually scared of your potential aren't you and they're like oh what do you mean and i'm like well, what would happen if you got really fucking amazing what would happen to the people around you and they're like oh you know what then what would happen and we put these limits on ourselves and it's not even conscious we just are actually scared that what might happen 
what might happen if you turned out to be amazing, eh? Totally. What would happen? It's a big deal. <laughs> There's the first question to ask yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? There's so many good questions and I'm a pain in the ass like it, you know. What are some? What are, I know. Obviously, people can buy the book, but and there's all the questions in there. But like, if there's a couple of key questions, someone's listening, agreeing with everything mm-hmm. you're saying. Like, what are a couple of the key questions that have the biggest impact? Oh, so I think the best question is, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? So if you removed every failure point, if you said, "Oh, I want to be an all black," oh no, I can't because I'm 50 and I'm fat and I'm you know, fuck, I don't care. Like, what are you? What actually would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? So, you know, if, you, if you're 50 and fat and you want to be an all black, you, you, you can't be. Um, they won't take you, but that's okay. But, but you can still go out and coach rugby. You can still be the club captain of a, te- of a, you know, of a club. You can still volunteer and, and coach schoolboys. You can still fundraise and, you know, you can still be, because there's something about that, say, the environment of that that you want to be in. And it doesn't mean, um, so I always think these clues, they're little breadcrumbs on your path. And that when you take away all of the thinking around, oh no, but I'm not, I haven't got enough money or I haven't got enough talent or, you know, all the bullshit of why you can't do something, you actually get down to something you might really like to do. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, what would you do if you, if it was impossible to fail, what would you do? And I, I love that question. And see, mine would definitely be, I would like to sing on stage in front of, a hundred thousand people like that would blow my mind. Cause I've been on a stage, you know, with 8,000 people and it's fucking mind blowing and I can't sing. So I wouldn't do that to the world, <laughs> but I think to actually just be fully self-expressed with just your voice on a stage with, you know, like you watch someone like Ed Sheeran and I'm just oh, like, amazing, eh? that must be the coolest feeling in the whole world. I feel you know, like I'm talking like I think, to my. I feel like I'm talking to myself when I talk to you because literally, like one, <laughs> literally one thing that I've always said is that if I could do one thing, it would just be yep. to stand on stage and like I admire singers and people like that so much. But that must be the greatest feeling, having that energy of like a hundred thousand people and just like full know, right? creative expression. Incredible. Yeah, and and just with all that, just pure you, like just a noise that comes out of your body, being joyful to that many people, like that is fucking incredible I reckon um and you know like I think if I could be anyone in the world I'd be Freddie Mercury I just (laughs) oh my god I've watched that film so many times it's a good film Um, oh I love it I love it I just loved I love that he wore kimonos I just think I am Freddie Mercury I live in kimonos I've my cat's eat out of crystal um I'm just like him and I I just loved how fully self-expressed he was and how he just didn't give a shit about what anyone really thought you know he just lived his life and, Mm. and um so I think, also, I think another really good question is who inspires you? Yeah. Find some people. I talk a lot in um, my book, in Juggling in High Heels, about finding a big elephant. And it's based on the theory that um, a baby elephant, when it's born, is in a herd, and it follows the big elephants for 12 years. So for 12 years, the little elephant follows the big elephants, and it might not be the parents, it might be uncle, auntie, whatever, head elephant, um, follows the head elephant. And, it, and when they're 12, they, they split and the little elephant buggers off and has to go and start his own tribe, his own, his own, you know, his own group. Yeah, off he's got to go. And, and, the, and the big elephants bugger off into the, into the bush. And so the, that little elephant, his whole life is determined, the quality of his life is determined on how good the learning was from his big elephants. Mm. And so I'm always saying to people, who's your big elephant? Who are you learning from? And I think you've got to always be learning from someone. And it's like, who, who do you want to learn from? Who, and it doesn't have to be a, a human that you know. 
Um, you can learn from Freddie Mercury from watching documentaries about how he lived his life and reading interviews. You can learn from, you know, you can, you can follow anyone. It doesn't matter whether you even get to meet them. Um, it might be someone you know. It might be, like if you're in an industry, say you want to be an amazing rugby player, it's like go and find someone who's better than you and learn when I had my children, I had um, two amazing big elephants, two women who were like five, five, six years ahead of me in the parenting journey. And every time my kids did something fucked, I'd ring them and go, oh my God, you won't believe it. And they're like, oh, don't worry. Mine did that twice. And I was like, oh, thank God. Right. So it just helps to have someone ahead of you okay. in any journey. And it doesn't matter whether you're building a house or raising a family or becoming a leader in an in a industry. Um, and, you know, I do a lot of work with leaders in industries and I say to them, who's your big elephant? And they're like, what? I'm like, who are you following? Mm -hmm. You've got to be following someone always. You've always got to have someone inspiring you that makes you go, fuck, what would Freddie do right now? You yeah, know? totally. The what thing I love about do right now, the thing I like, love about you saying Freddie is that most people, when they think about mentors and role models, they look up to like the, the token people in the suit in the personal development industry who have, you know, are perfect and have got their lives sorted. But actually you draw, when you're honest about who you take inspiration from, yeah, that's, that's the key as well. Because you saying Freddie Mercury is like out of the box. Most people wouldn't say that, but that's honestly who inspires you, obviously. Yeah, totally. And it's like we watched, I watched Michael Jordan's, um, you know, Netflix documentary. Oh, I went out and, and shot hoops for the first time in 10 years after watching that. Like, I, yeah, well, I watched that, right? And so my son's like, oh, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, amazing. And I'm like, fuck Michael Jordan. Check out Dennis Rodman. Like, look <laughs> how, how awesome he is. He doesn't give a shit. He's a mongrel on the court and he's got his hairspray painted four different colors and he's not going to play the game. And I just love that he's doing him. And, you know, he did him. I remember him being on on Time Magazine's cover in a bridal veil yes, in like 1987. <laughs> and I just remember going, fuck yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Like how cool is that, that a guy that's at the top of his sports, you know, a big macho sports guy is quite happy to wear a woman's bloody bridal veil on the cover of the world's biggest magazine. Like that intrigues me more than the incredible um, excellence of Michael Jordan, which is incredible. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's incredible. But I'm like, oh, you're a bit boring. You're a bit too right. fucking perfect. And right. you know, I like the personality and I like the, the edges. Um, I agree with you hundred percent. And one of the key that I think, you know, creative expression is one of the fundamental drivers for human happiness. And when yeah. you look around, I'm, and I challenge myself on this all the time, but like how creatively expressed are you? I haven't picked up my guitar in ages. There's things like that, that we push to the side because there's more important stuff to do. Yeah. Actually that gives you a lot of the juice for life. Hey? And like, so Dennis Rodman and people like that, man, he was out the gate. That guy, he was. Totally. <laughs> and that, but, that's the, that's the emotional energy. So you get a real, and like I get a lot of energy out of like the clothes I wear. Cause I love really outrageous clothes. People are like, you can't wear that. I'm like, fucking watch me. Right. I'm not here to be, <laughs> I'm never going to wear beige and I'm never going to blend in. And you know, and I wear my clothes pick me. So I get up in the morning and something goes, you, I think, Oh, I'm coming. Um, and I, <laughs> I don't care where I'm going. I wear sequins to school. I couldn't give a shit what I'm doing. I wear what, what makes me feel good that day. And, um, and so I'm really into self-expression, I think. And I think it's, an, it's the other thing about, you know, speaking your truth and mm. telling people, being really honest. There's an amazing book by Brad Blanton. It's called Radical Honesty. And um, it's fucking excellent because it's about just be really honest. Like, you know, when someone goes, I said, what do you think about that? And you go, mm. and you think, actually... 
and you go, oh, yeah, it's okay. And you're like, no, fuck. There's a little thing inside you going, that's not what you fucking think. <laughs> just say what you think, you know, and it's like, well, it's like swearing. Like, I love swearing, and I just, I absolutely love it. I've taught my children to swear. I think it's really important. I just think, fuck, that is words, you know. Like, I'm, exactly. I'm not going to, I just, I'm not judgmental about words at all. In fact, I think words are really funny. Um, and I just think, you know, people get on, oh, you can't. And it's like, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And just because you were raised to believe that if you say fuck, you're a really bad person. I'm like, oh, well, that's a shame, isn't it, really? <laughs> what a shame for you. Um, you know, whereas I think, oh, God, I think, you know, hypocrisy is worse than swearing. That's so totally it's like, it. you know, and I think being really honest and um, being able to actually access your truth so there's your voice you can express yourself with and actually saying what you think. Mm. And then, you know, and then there's your physicality, how you present yourself, like Dennis Rodman does with all his crazy, you know, so I find people all the time and I think, who are your big elephants? Find someone who inspires you. And then just all you've got to do is go, fuck, that's inspiring. And then get really deep on why. Mm. Like, why is that inspiring? What is it about them? Like for me, Dennis Rodman's inspiring because he doesn't give a shit. And I think that's inspiring. Um, I think, I think Will I Am, I'm so in love with Will I Am. I think he's like the coolest guy on the planet. He's doing incredibly good work, um, you know, getting kids into technology in the ghettos in America, and he's kind, and he's political, and he's super fucking clever, and he wears ridiculous shit that he gets made in one-off outfits. You know, I think he's amazing. Um, I think Will Smith's amazing. I tend to like Will's. Um, I love <laughs> Will Smith. I think he's ridiculous in the way he lives his life and his family values, I think are insane. Like I, yeah. I find him really interesting. I, I spend a lot of time um, listening to him and um, you know, it's like, I love Russell Brand. I think he's outrageous. I love people that are really honest and go, yes, yeah, so what? I'm a sex addict and I'm a drug addict. And so what, you know, we're all, we're all addicts. Everyone's addicted to something. Um, just most boring people are addicted to problems. They want to sit around <laughs> and fucking whinge full time. And it's like, God, it'd be, Way more interesting if you're addicted to heroin, wouldn't it? Than just going, oh, I'm just really into problems. Here are my problems <laughs> today. It's like, oh my God, boring people with problems, you know? Oh, I love it. I love your attitude, eh? What's the impact that you want to have on the world? Like with all the work that you're doing, what, what impact are you striving to have? Look, I just, I just think people should, if, if people could tell me that they were really genuinely happy and people actually were striving to be the biggest version of themselves. I just don't, I don't like people playing small unless they want to play small. So I always say to people, I'm, I'm allergic to boring people. I have a massive fucking intolerance to dull. So if you're boring, don't talk to me because I'll, my face will say straight away, like, fuck, I'm really bored right now. Um, so I'm not really, I'm not very tolerant. I'm not very good with boring people. Um, and so I just, I want to help people who want to be bigger and better. And I'm like, if you want to be bigger and better, I can stretch you in ways you have not even thought about. But don't come to me if you want to be mediocre. Because yeah. mediocrity makes me vomit. Um, and there's plenty of mediocre fucking people to hang out with, you know? <laughs> so I'm really, really strict on that. I'm like, um, yeah. So I, I really like hanging out with, I, I like my biggest values are really fun. Um, I think fun is so important. And, and, and just shoving and pushing, you know? Just pushing and shoving. And then, and then, but on the same time, really, really being nice to yourself. Because yeah. I think being nice to yourself is the secret weapon in how you'll get there. And, and you know, it never ends well when you're your own worst enemy. Because um, no. at the no. end of the day, you've got to go to bed with yourself. You've got to wake up with yourself. It's like, do you really like who you are? And, uh, you know, are you really enjoying your own company? Um, 
And I think being able for me to be able to say that one of my favorite people to hang out with is me, to me, that's one of my greatest achievements that I've, I've, I've hated myself. I've liked myself. I've got to know myself. And now I'm like, yeah, no, me and Lisa, we're good. I love we're that. Good. You're one of the only person, one of the only people that I've heard say that. And it's like, it's such a cool thing to hear come out of someone's mouth when you connect with them. It's like, I'm going to take that. That's the one thing I'm going to take on out of this conversation for myself. Yeah, just learn to like yourself. And, you know, you notice bits and you go, oh, fuck, that's not very cool, Lisa. And then you're like, ah, okay, well, <laughs> we, can either, we can either decide to like that or we can decide to fix it. And so what are you going to do? You know, is it that bad that you need to fix it or is it really bad? And you're like, so I used to be late all the time, late for everything. Um, and then I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like that I'm late, actually. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do about it? And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to strive to not be late because I decided that I broke it down and went, why don't I like to be late? And I thought, because when I'm late, people, some people assume I'm arrogant, that I think nothing starts till I get there, and that's pretty shit. I don't really want people thinking, oh, Lisa thinks she's so special. She doesn't have to turn up. Um, another thing I like to think of myself as really professional, so I'm like, I don't want to be the person that keeps everyone waiting. I think that people, people's greatest asset is their time because it's the only thing we can't get more of. So I think wasting someone's time is absolutely disgusting. Like people that turn up late to meetings piss me off and people that turn up late with a coffee and a muffin, I'm like, you fucking leave because you stopped and got a coffee and a muffin. So don't come in here and say, I'm oh, sorry, I'm late. I'm like, you're not sorry, you rude prick. Get out. Like it really annoys me. Um, so I used to get offended by other people's lateness, but I was okay with my own. <laughs> then I was like, ooh, hang on. Where do I had to have a meeting with myself and go, shit, that's a bit of a double standard there, Lisa. That's not okay. So then I went, okay, so am I going to stop judging people for being late or am I going to start being on time? So I thought, no, no, I'm going to start being on time. So I was like, right, so that was my little project. And then I had this wonderful mentor, Pete, and he said to me, well, you know that on time's late, right? And I was like, oh, shit. I spent all this, I spent six months working on being on time. And he said, yeah, but you're still, that's still late. I'm like, oh shit. So now I have to be early. So now my new thing is early. Um, and some of my friends are like, I can't believe you're early, Lisa. You ne And I'm like, I know, but I worked really hard on that because it was worth working on for mm. me, I thought, you know. Nice. Um, and now I can judge everyone who's late. <laughs> because I'm early. <laughs> hey, I just want to take a moment, speaking of time, to thank you for giving up your time to do this podcast. I really appreciate it. I know that you've had a lot on and it's just been awesome to connect with you. You've got an infectious energy and an attitude and perspective and I feel better for having the conversation. I feel like I could go out there and run a marathon or do something now. I feel really Good. energized after speaking with you and I hope that everyone who tunes into this obviously takes a few things away, but if anything, is just choose how you show up and just bring in Don't be so serious. Bring energy to life and just fucking be happy. Yeah, that's pretty much fucking be happy. That's the point. <laughs> don't you reckon? I absolutely agree <laughs> with you 100%. Hey, Lisa, thank you for having me. It's been lovely to have a good, a good yabber with you. It's been, um, as I say, I think we could be related. It's not, too, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, I genuinely mean it. I appreciate your time. I absolutely love connecting with you. And I know that there's a truckload of value in there for people. If people listen to this and they want to learn more about your books that you've written or your services, um, yeah. or you're speaking, where is the best place to track you down? Um, just lisaoneal.co.nz. Pretty easy. O'Neill's got two L's. I was about to say, it's got a double L on it. <laughs> double L and O'Neill. I've got, I've got, I'm greedy. I've got two of everything. Two boys, two <laughs> girls, two cats, two dogs, two L's. So yeah, um, two L's, only one in Lisa, but two in O'Neill. And um, um, yeah, easy to find. LisaO'Neill.co.nz. Fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Lisa. You're very welcome. Thank you. 
So there you have it guys, that's the interview with Lisa O'Neill. Like I said in the introduction, it was going to be honest, it was going to be entertaining, uh, and it would be insightful, and I think it ticked all of those boxes. I absolutely loved having that conversation with Lisa. I feel 10 times better after chatting to her, uh, and I just love the simplicity that she brings, the way that she just says, this is how it is, and this is what you need to do. Uh, and you know, the simplicity of just bringing everything back to actually being happy. I think that's a really important point to take away. So I hope it added value to you. If you want to learn more about Lisa, you can go to her website. It's lisaoneal.co.nz. She's got books there. She's got her events and speaking stuff that she's doing. Uh, And I highly recommend that you go and check her out or give her a follow on uh, social media. And if you enjoyed the episode, please share it out with anyone that you think would get value. Like always, if you're enjoying the podcast, a rating and review helps us bump up the rankings and reach new people. So I'd really appreciate that. Uh, And most of all, I appreciate you giving up your time to tune in. I hope it added value to you and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Thank you.